0: All right, we're going to look at something today. Three parts. Next week also will be kind of just as far as a message on Thanksgiving. Last week was that giving thanks will change your attitude. This is the second part of that this week. We're going to talk about giving thanks again will change your attitude. Have you seen that happen this past week about Thanksgiving? Want to talk about something today? Maybe you've never thought about today. Betty, again, is already preached it, but it is from the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. And Lynette's going to put that up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 uh, through 20. If you'd like to stand, you can, or be seated, but you can say it with me. Let's go. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Would you cut this down just a little bit? It's heavy. Okay, got it. Okay. Don't get drunk with wine. Don't be filled with the world, but be filled with the Spirit. And you will sing songs from your heart. If you lose the joy of the Lord. Go back to the Lord. And ask him where that you just let the spirit of God go. Or grieve the Holy Spirit. And again to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Because that is a continual thing that we can ask him for. We ask it for obviously over and over and over again. And when you're filled with the spirit of God. Then you're going to sing. You're going to thank God. They'll be the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is what should be in the life of a Christian. And so when you think about Thanksgiving in this particular uh, season of the year, but it can be at any particular time, I want to talk about it today in ways maybe you had not, not seen this before. But Shakespeare said this, how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. Ingratitude, though marble-hearted fiend, even Shakespeare recognized what is obviously what happens when there's ingratitude. And we're living in a society today, a culture, they don't like to give thanks. And I gave illustrations. In my lifetime, I have seen it, maybe you've seen it too. And actually, when somebody does give thanks or somebody says thank you, and they go out of the way and say thank you, it sort of stands out to you, doesn't it? And it does to me. It gets my attention. Thanksgiving is very important because when you're thanking God, you can't complain. When you're thanking God, as we talked about last week, you're not looking inwardly at yourself. You're looking outwardly at others and of God. And that's the whole issue. The whole issue, if you think about in the Christian life, is whether or not we have, we're have we looking at ourselves and it's all about me, myself, and I, or if it's about God and other people. That is the issue. And that is the betwixt and between that we have in regards to how we live our lives. When we actually look outwardly and we begin to give thanks. And I mean, you don't have to feel like it to give thanks, but it actually is an act of obedience. It's an act of your will that you give thanks. You can give thanks, and sometimes when I do thank somebody for something, I'm thinking, well, I'm being repetitive, or maybe that I'm being hypocritical or something like that. But you're not. You're actually, God uses that. When you thank god for who he is and what he's doing in your life and when you thank god for other people that he has placed in your life or whatever it may be that i know that it blesses the heart of god so i know we can be thankful and i know we can be a gracious people and i mentioned don't go out of this church house looking like a grump like you just ate a lemon okay because people look at you and actually more people are watching you and me than what you realize okay People are watching. I gave illustration of that. I had no idea in that sense. I know that, but when someone said that, I want to tell you it got my attention. People watch as you walk with the Lord, so be careful about that and actually give thanks. But in this, the apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, he's telling us the quality of a spirit filled person, and a spirit filled heart is filled with song It burst out. To, uh, right before the Lord and then a spirit filled person turns towards God and he says thank you here now that means that he's thankful whether or not he's going through uh, difficult circumstances or whether or not everything is hunky-dory he gives thanks no matter what okay so one of the prayers that I pray and I know you all pray it also is Lord I ask you to work Thanksgiving down in my heart that's the Holy Spirit that will do that to be honest with you it doesn't come naturally for me okay it's something that i have to actually uh again voluntarily make that decision to be thankful because i want to tell you it appears to be my bent is more towards kind of complaining and murmuring and looking at the negativity of things but before long obviously when i'm around that negativity i'm i get just i'm like i can't take this anymore And I realize how important Thanksgiving is. Because obviously God, the the Bible says in the book of James, that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Everything in my life, it comes my way. And remember, in our walk with the Lord, either he's ordained it or it's sifted through his hands. He does something. So his whole purpose is to make you and me more like Jesus Christ. All right. That's what he's up to today. So, it goes on to say, when are we to be thankful? Or when should we be giving thanks to the Lord, actually? In this scripture, what does it say? When do we give thanks? Always. Always. And that uh, word, always, means always. All the time, we should give thanks to the Lord. In verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> always means always. And in First Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you and Christ Jesus. Now, you may ask yourself, well, I'm seeking to know God's will for my life. Well, there's specific things that God will channel you into to show you his will for your life. But I know one thing that is the will of God for your life and my life. And that is to give thanks. So if you think, well, I'm not real sure of what the Lord's will is, then give thanks. Because you're doing the will of God when you give thanks. That is the will of God. In fact, I think it is foundational in the Christian life. I believe that actually we should be different than the world. And the world is complaining and and grumbling and wondering how they're going to make it through this life and so forth. Just trying to get through And actually, God is saying that we should rejoice in the Lord always, always. And then Paul says, and again, I say rejoice, is that we rejoice in the Lord. So again, if you don't know what God's will is, then give thanks because that's God's will here. So what is the will of God? Again, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when God brings difficulties into your life, my life, when God brings trials into our lives and we gripe and complain and we don't understand the meaning actually of James chapter one, let me read it to you in chapter one of uh, verse two through four. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Therefore, thank God, even when you're facing a trial, because the trials have come, what? To perfect us. I don't ask for the trials, and neither do you. But according to this... James is saying, this is the word of God. Remember, not some man's word. This is from the heart of God. And actually, he's saying, consider it all joy. How many of us, when we get in hard times, consider it all joy? And saying, thank you, Lord, for all that's going on in my life. I don't know about you. I'm going, Lord, get me out of this mess, right? But God uses this to produce perseverance and also the perfection in my life, in your life. Now, we won't be perfect in the sense of Jesus, certainly, here. But a lot of the things that we deal with on a regular basis will fall off. When you, when you obviously are giving thanks, again, you can't complain at the same time. When you give thanks, you can't be looking and just gazing upon those circumstances that may be overwhelming. And I'm not minimizing those things because you may say, well, Jim, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through. But I know what the Word of God says, and that is to give thanks. Three categories here of thankful people. Three categories. The first category is give thanks after the blessing. They give thanks after the blessing. If God obviously has healed my body and touched my soul, that song we sing and so forth, I give thanks. Thank you, Lord, for supplying and and taking care of my financial needs, taking, taking care of me, sending me to a doctor that I believe is competent, someone that can take care of me and you can heal me outright or whatever way you want. But it's easy in that sense to give thanksgiving after the blessing, Right. It's easy to do that. That's why we stop in the morning. Thanksgiving actually is right in there with worship. In fact, to begin with, there should be prayer. Y'all prayed. Pray up throughout the week as you come in here praying that the service would bless the Lord and bless those who enter into this place. And then there's worship. We worship together corporately. And then right behind it is Thanksgiving. All of that comes together. They're all connected together. And so Thanksgiving is biblical. Really, right straight from the word of God. Let me read to you from Exodus chapter 14, verse 28 to 30. Listen to what he says. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And so what happened when they saw that? They started singing to the Lord, uh, the Lord of their salvation. Very important. They saw the destruction of the people. Now, they were fearful when they had their backs up against the wall and they were up against the Red Sea. And they're going, here, Pharaoh's army, which was going to come in and annihilate them and wipe them out because his man, Moses, had taken them out of their captivity, and they didn't like this guy. They didn't like him, and they complained about Joseph, Moses and Aaron during that time. But yet, when remember Moses raised his staff, and God said, you raise your staff here, and he split the waters. Now, this is not a myth. This is not mythology. This actually happened. Actually, the Red Sea at that particular time, some people, theologians who try to diminish the power of God, actually they say, well, it was just a little bit of a marshland there. The water was only, say, ankle deep and so forth. No, it was a sea. And actually the sea, the walls parted, and God allowed the the Israelite to go across, not just there on that muddy bottom, but on dry ground. He dried it out, okay? So they saw the hand of God at work when they got to the other side. And they saw that a Pharaoh and his army was following them right close in. And they were still, they wouldn't kill them. And they got right in the middle there of that sea. And God let the waters come back in on them. And all of them drowned. Actually happened. And so they sang to the Lord of their salvation. They gave thanks because they had seen what God had done. So the Bible is full of examples of people giving thanks after the fact. And then again, another verse, Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. And he says this, I'll sing to the Lord for he's highly exalted, both horse and driver. He has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army, he is hurled into the sea and the best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. Verse 11 of Exodus 15, who among God is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic and holiness, awesome and glory, work in wonders. Verse 18, the Lord reigns forever and ever. And then Miriam took the tambourine and sang. Verse 21, sing to the Lord, for he's highly exalted, both horse and driver. He is hurled into the sea. The thanks after the blessing. They saw that. Now, I don't know about y'all. But if you're sitting here today and you're saved, then you've been delivered just like the Israelites were. Because this, this here, the Israelites being taken out of Egypt into moving towards the promised land, going through the Red Sea. All of these are symbolic. And actually coming out of Egypt is symbolic of coming out of slavery. And when you and I were lost before we, Jesus came into our lives and saved us, we were lost. And we needed a redeemer. To buy us back. So we were taken out of the slavery of sin. And placed in the freedom of Jesus Christ. And actually imputed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So we were delivered. So why don't we sing about our salvation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I mentioned to you. And I've kind of just been impressed upon this. At different seasons of my life. And that is how thankful I am. That God saved me. That he sent a savior. Amen. I am grateful if nothing happens in my life from this point on beyond that salvation, then I can be thankful throughout eternity because Jesus Christ saved me. He didn't have to. I was in my sin. I was a wretch. And we know that song, Amazing Grace. And God saved me. And I can thank him forevermore. And the Israelites saw that they were being saved. Now, again, symbolic. They were taken out of slavery. But when you and I are saved, then obviously we're taken out of the slavery of sin and, and we're placed and Jesus has saved us and, and delivered us. He delivered us. We were once in the enemy's camp and then God take comes in and sends Jesus and we, we believe in him, we put our faith in him, put our trust in him and he brings us, it may be said, into his camp. And we're free. We're free indeed. And we know that we can celebrate that. And that's what Miriam was doing with the tambourine. She was tambourine. I mean, she was dancing. I'm sure they were dancing and they were thankful today because they knew that that they were obviously, they getting ready to be slaughtered. They were getting ready to be killed. But see, the fact of the matter is, and that's what was happening in your life and my life, the devil was going to try to kill you. He came to kill, steal, and destroy, John chapter 10, verse 10. And yet God came and and gave his only begotten son for you and me. And here we are almost at Christmas time too. We celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about that. I want you to just maybe this this coming week is just reflect upon that what God has done for you in salvation today. I'm talking about being delivered. He didn't have to. (laughs) He didn't have to. The Bible tells us, Jesus said, no one man takes my life. I lay my life down voluntarily. He came for us. He first loved us. We didn't love him. He came for us today. And we can celebrate that and give thanks for that. That's after the fact of certainly the blessing here. It goes on to say in Revelation chapter 15 when Jesus comes and defeats his enemies there at the kind of towards the end of the age in verse 3 and 4 of Revelation 15. And they sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways. King of the nations, who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteousness, righteous acts have been revealed. They sing after the victory is, is won. Now, the second category of the blessings is giving thanks before the battle. I don't know what I'm going to have to go through in the next moment of time. I don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't either. So how are we going to live in the victory that Jesus has promised? Give thanks before the battle takes place. Actually, it's the this is the ability to give thanks before the battle even begins for the victory that is going to come. In other words, you or and I are believing for the victory before it even gets here. I don't know what will happen. I know many times you could all give testimony in here that things kind of caught you by surprise, a health issue or, or maybe a particular, um, break in a friendship or, or maybe a financial woe. I mean, I was talking about it some time ago about, um, you know, it seemed like in in at the house everything was breaking down. You know, the, the main water line coming in had to be redone because the people that put it in didn't put it in correctly. I had to bring people in to do it. And when he told me how much it was going to cost to to repair it and so forth, I thought I thought I felt a pain in my chest. Okay. <laughs> I went, goodness, these things are not insured, are they? And then other things, it was like one thing after the other. And I'm not talking about ten dollars here and there. I was talking about a thousand dollars, thousand dollars, thousand dollars, thousand dollars. And it was going, I'm going, my goodness. Well, I want to tell you, we gotta give thanks in those things. That God took care of it and he took care of the issue today. Before they even began, I didn't know what was gonna happen. Lord, I don't know what will happen tomorrow, but I want to give thanks to you for life and breath and everything else. I want to give thanks to you that whatever I face in the coming week and the rest of my life, I want to give thanks to you because I know that you can take care of it. Hallelujah. Right? Before the battle even begins, give thanks because you already see with spiritual eyes that you know God is your deliverer and He doesn't ever turn away from you. He doesn't leave you and me. He's not obviously coming and going like maybe someone else in the physical. He's always with us. He's here with us today. He knows what we're going through. He orchestrates things. He is providential and He is sovereign. He knows all about it. Why not give thanks? before the battle takes place because it takes faith it takes faith to believe that god's going to take care of you and me the lord is my shepherd and i shall not want he maketh me to lie down in the green pastures and he leadeth me beside the still waters and he restoreth my soul he is my shepherd and he will provide he gives the lord is my shepherd I shall not want. In other words, I shall not be in need of anything. Do we believe the word of God? We've got to believe it. We've got to stand on it. And God is looking at my heart and your heart to say, can you give thanks before the battle even begins? Can you and I actually thank him for tomorrow? I heard a theological term. It's called prevenient grace. I've used it in here many times. It means God is in tomorrow working things out. He's in next weekend working things out. He's working the rest of my life and your life out. And he's given us grace to be able to go through them. But we've got to pay attention and we've got to give thanks. So how do you prepare? Give thanks right now. Thank him, Lord. Praise him. Praise him. We've heard praises in here today all over this place. We're giving thanks to the Lord before the battle, we don't know what tomorrow holds. My goodness, we don't know, but God does. You remember in John chapter 11, say so said he took away the stone. I remember when Jesus was there and he said, take away the stone because Lazarus had died. And remember that Lazarus had been dead, what, three days, I think. And Jesus was taking his time going back to where Mary and Martha were. He took his time on purpose because obviously what he did was he wanted to bring glory to the Father, his Father, okay? He knew, he had already given thanks to the Father. And it says this in John chapter 11. So they took away the stone and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right now in the present time. And that is faith. Believing God is going to take care of your situation. I've always said one of the greatest things, fears that I have is when you go to the mailbox and you get a letter and in the type where the return address is the Internal Revenue Service. They never obviously send you a letter and saying, look, we we know you've overpaid and we know that we want to give you back a lot of your money and so forth and so here's a big check for you. I've never gotten anything like that. I want to tell you every time. That's one of the things I said. Oh my goodness! And they never really. It's never good news in that sense. It's going. We've looked at your thing. You've messed it all up. Your your returns and so forth, and, and we want to audit you or whatever may happen. See, we're living in a time where we either obviously going to be thankful, or we can complain. There are things that are coming. I want to tell you, like I've always said. We're headed towards that which I know the Bible talks about. Things are not going to get better. and I know that's not a surprise for you and me. And I've been thinking about this. Our country is in the same situation that the churches in the past when they first were, the church were planted. The church at Ephesus, of course, back during, uh, after when Paul planted the churches. If you think about it, the church, the city of Ephesus was a demonic city. And that church at Ephesus was placed there right in the middle of some of the darkest places on earth. Okay. And yet people were getting saved in that church. People were getting healed. The gospel went forth and actually the, the, the church was actually began at that particular place. Now, if you look around at what's happening in our world today, there's a lot of demonic stuff going on. Let me tell you. I learned about something. I heard something. Don't know if it's completely correct this morning. Listen to some of the uh, news. But but actually some people voted in a particular way in this particular midterm election is because the primary, obviously, uh, choice that they made was because, obviously, uh, that abortion was priority in their lives. And 76% of the people voted in a particular way. Because that that party. Actually advocates. And, and says abort the baby. At any time in your pregnancy. 76%. That was the number one. Fact of why they voted. A particular way. Now I'll tell you right now. We'll be judged. In this country as a result of that. Because. Abortion is killing a baby in a mother's womb. I don't care what way you look at it. And people say, yeah, but it's just a glob of tissue. But what has happened, when you allow that to happen, there is a slippery slope to where there are some that advocate that the baby can be pulled out and killed right during the ninth month, right before the baby is actually born, that they can kill the baby. So it is a slippery slope in what we as a country have now gone to. So we're living in a dark place. And I don't need to tell you that. Where they're actually having some type of drag type of queen show in front of children in the school systems and the books that are actually being put in libraries and the different things that, that parents now are saying, we don't want these books in there because it's teaching this immorality to our children at a young age and so forth. We are in a battle and we need to stay prayed up, but we also need to know that our light shines into the darkness that's taking place out here today. And we need to give thanks at the midst. whatever's going to happen here. I don't know what the future happens, but I need to give thanks because our God still rules and reigns, and He's still on His throne. And He still is obviously in control. He's still overall. He's looking for you and me to be obedient and to seek Him and to follow Him, listen to His voice, and then move out because we're obviously soldiers in His army. That's why Armwood Christian soldiers written to we are an army today and we obviously cannot be defeated because we have the victory and it's in Jesus Christ. We need to keep that in mind that we can give thanks before the battle even takes place. No matter what happens to no matter what unfolds. Instead of worrying about what may happen. Why not give thanks? Why not give thanks? Give thanks. Before, why worry? I don't know. Worrying. Some people, we seem to worry more and all that. And there are things I have. It get on my heart and so forth. Why don't I turn and say, thank you, Lord, before this thing gets bad? Because, see, worrying is about something that you think's going to come into your life or come up that you won't be able to handle or whatever circumstances and so forth. And many, we know, won't even come to pass anyway. But those who do, why do we worry? Give thanks. Thank Him before the battle takes place. We're children of the Most High God. We have to, like we heard in Sunday school this morning, that obviously we need to know who we are. We've been chosen by the Lord. We didn't choose Him. And what He cho- chose, He doesn't make a mistake when He chooses you and me. And He's saying, I need you. And, and I've equipped you. I've given you, as we said, that stone to defeat your Goliath. Every one of us in that, okay? Give thanks, give thanks. My favorite story is Jehoshaphat, Second Chronicles chapter 20. King Jehoshaphat, what was happening, give you a, a rundown of what was happening. But in chapter 20, verse 6 through 9, Lord, he's singing, the God of our ancestors, he's praying now, because Jehoshaphat was a man of prayer. And he's praying to the Lord because what's happened here, the Amalekites and I believe the Moabites are coming against them. And their armies are much bigger than his army. And he's looking and he's saying, uh-oh, we got trouble. And so he starts praying. And in that prayer, he said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And listen to what he said. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you our god did not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people israel and give it forever to the descendants of abraham your friend didn't he god didn't you give us this land And they have lived in it and have built in it as a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we'll stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and we'll cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and you will save us. Okay. Now, we know God has given us the victory. So we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I know already. I have the victory in Jesus Christ. Now we may not see it the way God sees it. But the truth of the matter is by faith we had the victory. You may not feel like it. It may not look like it to you or anything like that. Because those things are not actually pertinent in that necessarily. But the truth of the matter never changed. He's given us the victory here. So after the prayer Jehoshaphat decided better worship. Verse chapter twenty. Verse 18 and 19, Jehoshaphat bowed down his with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. And then some Levites from the Koabites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Hallelujah. Shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank Him. Praise Him. I want to tell you, the enemy cannot stand and can, cannot stand in the presence of people praising him, praising the Lord, because they know what will happen when people begin to praise the Lord and thank him because he wants you to complain and murmur and gripe about this and that and be dissatisfied with God because you think somehow God is holding out on you. And God is blessing your life, blessing my life, and blessing the church today in wonderful ways. And so after prayer and worship, it's time to thank the Lord. And verse 21, listen, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. So they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Now, here we go with this vast army coming against these guys. Okay, And so they get out there. And so what did God do? He didn't send a Marines in. To take and go before the group of people that were going to do battle. He didn't send the Air Force in to be able to take care of that and prepare a way and so forth. What did he do? He sent the worship team out. He sent the singers out to sing to the Lord. Can you see how powerful your praise, your thanksgiving, your worship, and your your continued singing to the Lord? How powerful it is. Oh, it's powerful, folks. The enemy, listen to what happened. Chapter 21 through 23, as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. They actually turned on themselves. And that's what happens with our enemy. When you begin to thank God in the midst of your circumstances and my circumstances before it actually happens, the enemy turns on themselves. And then what happened? It actually says that they came in, the enemy had been destroyed, and what did the Israelites do? They came in and got the plunder. They took all the goodies and took them back. So even God blesses you and I beyond any measure Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we think or ask. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we think or ask. That's who our God is. But you got to thank him. You got to thank him when you see that vast army coming up against you, that vast army of a financial crisis. Like I saw that obviously guy coming. And when he saw that that water pipe underneath the the sidewalk had bust and all that, all I saw were dollar signs in that guy's eyes. He said, it's going to cost you this, Jim. Do you want me to do it? And I said, You got to pipe and everything? Yeah, I'll put a larger schedule pipe on. I said, I want a larger schedule. And I don't want it under the sidewalk because the sidewalk gives and takes and it'll break that that elbow joint again. Bring it out. And he said, I'll put it outside of it and you won't have to ever have that problem again. But I saw a dollar sign. I looked at his eyes and he's, and he's looking like, Man, I've got a gold mine here with this guy because he needs water in the house. His wife right now is saying, Jim, get the water turned on. And I'm saying, I'm doing all I can, hon. Right? But I took him. He fixed it. And I wrote out the check. So why can't I thank him and praise him? Thank God. Hallelujah. That God took care of it here. Now, real easy after the battle, right? We do that. Real easy before the battle takes place. Man, Because it hasn't happened yet. What happens is giving thanks in the midst of the battle. When the battle is raging. Can you give thanks then? A little bit more difficult. When things are really going south on you. When nothing looks like it's happening and coming your way. In fact, sometimes when you pray, it seems like things get worse. You're thinking, gosh, I must not be praying right. Something's going on here. It's whatever. And God is just saying, will you hang in there with me? Will you believe me for a miracle? Will you believe me to take care of this situation? Are you kind of? See, I like to pop it in and pop it out. I'm a microwave person. Pray it, see the answer, move on. But God doesn't work that way, does he? He doesn't work that way. He's like, you got to persevere in prayer. I'm going, Lord, why do I have to persevere in prayer? You heard me the first time. Why do I have to ask you again? You already know what I need, so I'm going to wait and sit over here. No, he says, keep coming to me because it's about relationship and because I'm doing something in your heart, I'll take care of the problem. But I'm doing something in your heart and, and our relationship that can only be done through perseverance. And giving praise in the midst of the battle. Are you giving praise in the midst of the battle? Because I tell you, in this group, and those that we meet, their battles going on. Their health problems, financial problems. It's like, what does this life hold for me? And what's going on in my life? And. You know, and so forth. It looks like everybody else is prospering. And how come I'm tight and I can't make the the monthly budget and so forth and all these other things. And you're thinking somehow God has left you out in left field. And yet he's working perseverance in your life and my life. And that's the only way he can get our attention. Wow. But do we give thanks in the middle of that? That is really the question. Listen to this in Daniel chapter six. Now, when Daniel learned from the decree, remember, Daniel was a man of prayer. He went into his house there, went upstairs, and he prayed three times a day. Okay, He's getting opposition for prayer. I want to tell you right now, I do see there'll be a time where we will have opposition and persecution in the church, in this country. Okay? I know it's coming. I can tell you right now, it's already beginning. If you and I want to express our faith in God and we go on YouTube or we do this and that and some of the other types of social communication, media and all that goes on sometimes. If you express it a little bit too faithfully and confidently, you may be taken down. You may not. That's why some of the changes with Twitter has taken place. Because we need to be able to express that. But there's a push today. If you feel like in one way or another that obviously abortion is killing a child. And you stand for that in the marketplace. You may come under some opposition even today in this country. The country that I believe God established and ordained to give freedom. But he never said that obviously you wouldn't have a persecution. He just said I'll never leave you. I'll be with you. Okay. Daniel was praying man. And he said when the decree, learned decree had been published, he went home into and, and his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he'd done before. Remember, they said if you keep praying like that, we're gonna The king is going to do something with you and take you out. And then in verse 11, these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Daniel was asking for God's help. And so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. He was praying. Didn't like it. People know, even those who are not believers, know the power of prayer. They know there's something supernatural about when you cry out to God. They know that. And the devil knows it certainly. One of the most powerful weapons, according to Ephesians chapter 6, is when we pray. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That's Second Corinthians chapter 10. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not like the world. But they're mighty in pull- pulling out of strongholds. The weapons of our warfare are prayer. And he talks about it in Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the full armor of God. He said, trust, put that full armor of God on. And then he goes on to say, and pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Keep praying. Prayer is powerful. That's why we eventually, Kathy and Diane, are working with the particular uh, a particular object that you can put by your coffee. Then you get up in the morning, if you drink coffee or tea or whatever, a, a central location where you, when you see it, you'll pray for the church, you'll pray for uh, individuals that God brings to mind, and you'll pray for our country. Okay, that is the is like a a focal point that we can get. We will eventually get get that intact, in, in and we're deciding what we what we can do at this time. Prayer is powerful. I mean the most powerful thing. And the reason I really felt like the Lord put it on my heart for, for this group. We've got changes, non-traditional things. We've got Save Savage. We've got a relationship with Greater Mount Carmel. We've got other things God is doing. God has taking this group of, of believers here, all of you, and using you for his glory. And we need to pray. We need to be prayed up. And we need to pray for this country today. Because nothing, remember, obviously, the whole fact of the matter is when he says, you know, the Lord's prayer is our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy and righteous is your name. Glorious is your name. Your kingdom come, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever thought about that? That is exactly the way Jesus told us to pray. And I'm going, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, that seems totally impossible. But yet God is telling us to pray that. So when you see things happening, pray and believe God. You trust him. Daniel did. They took him, threw him in the lion's den. Remember what happened? And then actually, you remember what the story, how it goes. The lion's mouths were shut. The king liked Daniel. And he called out and said, Daniel, you still alive, basically. Yeah, I'm still in here, okay? Well, come on out of here because I don't understand this, but those lions, they were hungry. And they didn't eat you up, okay? God took care of him because he believed God. He gave thanks to the Lord. Remember Jonah? Jonah was called by the Lord. He was someone that obviously he didn't want to serve. He, he didn't like the people of Nineveh. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach revival because God wanted to revive the people. Well, they're going, he goes, those people are wretched. Those people, obviously, they're evil. They're someone, you don't want to save them. Remember, and he, he ran from the Lord. Went to the Tarshish, remember? God put him in the belly of a big fish. Now, you think, did that happen? Yes, it did. And it gets stinky in the side of that, I would imagine. Don't you, some of your fishermen? I mean, suppose you could do that. Remember? And finally, in the darkness, I'm sure, and it smelled so bad, and Jonah had a time to think about it, and he finally said he came to his senses, and he cried out to the Lord. He says in verse 7, Jonah chapter 2, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Now listen to verse 9. Here he goes. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you, What I vowed, I'll make good. And I'll say, salvation comes from the Lord. Shouts of grateful praise, thankfulness. And he'd just been, obviously, he remembered, he was in the belly of a fish. And the fish said, I can't take this. This guy's making me sick. And he spit him out. Okay. Jonah gave praise. Is this making sense to anybody here? Does this make sense? Do you see the power in thanksgiving? He goes on Acts chapter five. The early church is being terribly persecuted in verse 40, 41. He says, speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. They were beaten. And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then he let them go. And the apostles left the Sanhedrin. They were rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for his name. And they were thankful right in the middle of the beatings. Can we grasp that? They were rejoicing because they were found worthy of suffering in the name of Jesus. Man, I don't know what that's like. If my air conditioner goes out for like 15 minutes. There's a real. I mean, I'm screaming to the mountaintop, of the Lord. Call the electric company. Get my cell phone and calling them, going, "We're we're at, we're in the dark here. We don't have electricity. Whatever, right? These people were being beaten, and they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the Lord. I don't know what's that like, but they gave thanks. We can give thanks, can't we? Acts chapter 16. Remember Paul and Silas? They were thrown into jail. And those jails back then were horrible. Real bad. They weren't like the ones now where they've got the big flat screens and three meals a day. And got the weights where they can bulk up and everything like that. They didn't have any of that. It was all on a dirt floor. Remember? They were singing praise to the Lord. And remember? The the, the jail gate door opened up. And they walked out. Remember, the soldiers are going, man, if they get out of here, we, they're going to kill us for letting the, the prisoners escape. And remember, Paul said, no, 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 y'all. It's, this is God. This is God Almighty. And a, a revival took place. You know what will happen? We're thankful people. We're grateful people. We We praise God. I mean, from not just emotionalism I'm not talking about that I'm talking about from our heart we give the sacrifice of praise if you don't feel like praise and even give a sacrifice of praise that's why the sacrifice of praise is called the sacrifice thank him praise him it'll change your whole attitude y'all know of Joni Erickson she was paralyzed remember from she jumped off a diving board into a pool and hit her head and neck and got paralyzed really I think she was about 17 years old at the time and she was paralyzed after that accident. And she said in a book, listen to this, quote, Giving thanks is not a matter of feeling thankful. It's a matter of obedience. You don't always have to feel thankful, but it's a matter of thanksgiving. So how often do you give thanksgiving? Anybody here? Come on. Always. All the time. Always. Okay. Remember, I'm going to give a pop quiz next week. Come prepared. You can't count. Betty's over here telling. I thank the Lord. He's been with me, and he's in front of me, and he's behind me, and he's around me. I'm giving thanks to him. I'm praising him for the roof over my head. I thank the Lord when I switch from from the air conditioner to the heat. Obviously, because of this weather, crazy weather, that it changed to the heat. I walked in, and it was still. It was so nice in there, and so forth. God didn't have to do that. All of that stuff is from the Lord. You go, yeah, I earned that. I'm a self-made person, man or woman. No, you're not. God is the one. You give praise to Him all the time. Jesus was thankful to the Lord. Ingratitude is permeating our society. Obviously, three possible ways we can respond. People who never give thanks. They don't ever give thanks. Remember in... Luke 12, and he told his parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And the thought to himself, he said, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store up a surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain and laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. This is what one said. I'm going to get it right, okay? But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but not is is not rich towards God. What does it say in here? Six times it says, I, I will do this. I will do that. And so forth. And then. Few who genuinely give thanks. I'll I'll end with this. Listen to this. This has been on my heart the last couple of weeks. Luke chapter 17. Remember those with leprosy. Well, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Samaria. And he was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed and they were cleansed. Okay, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. He wasn't even a Jew. He was half, half and half. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed and healed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to them, rise and go, because your faith has made you well. One out of the ten gave thanks. Now, I know we can do a whole lot better than that. And see, we're not foreigners. (laughs) We, We are children of the Most High God. We're children of the King. And we should be grateful today. But see, what happens is, is that we so often take everything for granted. And we forget to, to say thank you. You know what I try to do? And again, it doesn't come naturally for me, so I'm speaking personally. But I make it a habit because what it actually is, is not being hypocritical. And I don't have the feel like it to do it. But something happens when you're thankful. I open doors for ladies, shut the doors, all those types of things. I thank people and I don't care whether or not they are my elders or they're younger than I am. I don't care. I thank them. I thank young people when they're actually waiting on me. I thank the guy up here at McDonald's. He was very polite, gave me a sausage biscuit. Thank you. Thank you for my iced coffee. Okay. Thank you. Give thanks unto the Lord. Because His love endures forever. Because we know of His majesty. We know because we've been saved and we should be so grateful today. And thank you. I don't want to be like those other nine that did not come back to Jesus and give praise. Because leprosy at that particular time was real bad. In fact, they were outcast. I mean, it was bad stuff. People wouldn't get around Him. And, you know, leprosy was horrible today. But see, you and I were horrible before we came to Jesus. We were dark with our sin. We were blotted with that old nature. And we needed to be reborn again. We need to be cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have so much to be thankful for. I always preach to myself. Y'all know that. Thank God. Praise Him. You can't get too excited. And you can't be overly exuberant about thanking God. Okay? You know, a lot of times you hear people, and maybe they're praise God, praise God, this and that, and you look at them, you go, what's wrong with them? Or they, you may think somehow, you know, well, they're just they're just trying to be act over religious. Uh, Praise God, I don't care, (laughs) don't care. They're thanking God. I'd rather them thank God and remain silent and not say anything and not give thanks. And yes, you can give thanks in your heart. Don't get me wrong but a lot of what you and I should do should be an outward expression, okay? That others may hear. Because it is a witness in our life, and actually it is a sign of spiritual maturity when we're given thanks. Thank you. I'll go in, and I know we'll have some goodies unless something—unless the Lord comes back, and then we really will have some goodies. But in Thanksgiving Day, I don't know what will happen over here on the property with, with the Johnson family and all that, but I guarantee you they're going to have some goodies in there because all those late ladies, they, they're the best cooks in the world. I'm not saying come over and join them because, you know what I mean, I'm not inviting you, Alice can do that. But I want to tell you something, it's going to be good. It's going to be good, right? And we thank you. We'll pray and thank the Lord for that, definitely. But have you thought about the extent of what God has done in our lives and the depth of sin that we were in? We were lost. We, The Bible says that we were at infinity, infinity, uh, entity with the Lord. In other words, we were our enemies of the Lord before we got saved. We actually were his enemies. And God saved us and made us his friends. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Think about it. Next week we'll talk about it too. The only way you can do it is get out of yourself, Complain about this and that. I'm not minimizing pain. I'm not minimizing challenges. I'm just saying that God by his spirit would bring it back to your mind and my mind. To give thanks instead of complaining. The Israelites obviously did not go into the promised land. Why? Because they murmured and complained that was one thing that kept them from really experiencing God. I want y'all to experience God. I want to experience God. I want to experience His fullness in my life. Is that possible? Yes. Now to Him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we think or ask can Him, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, He can do it. He can do it if we're thankful. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word, Your Truth. Thank You for Your presence in this place today. All these things, Lord, we're not just up here talking and and Talking into thin air. We're, we're actually saying Lord work this in our hearts. So we're thankful. Grateful people. Lord take away that. That complaining spirit. That lying spirit. That tells us. That we're not worth anything. That's a From the pit of hell. And ask you. That we would give a. Th- have a thankful heart thankful for our family thank you for this church thank you for life for life and breath and everything else thank you for this country lord thank you lord today that you've established it and dear lord you will see us through no matter what we see happening today we pray and we give thanks and we honor you today and so lord as we approach this time of thanksgiving we pray lord today that we would actually be carried to a a greater depth of thanksgiving in our lives as we express our thanksgiving to our god Thank you, Father, again. We love you. We praise you. Thank you, Lord, today, no matter what happens. Help us to live by this. This is not just quote a sermon. It's about the reality of how we walk each and every day in your presence, giving you praise. We pray these things with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen.